Assalamu alaikum and welcome to the Muslims in Your Backyard podcast. I'm your host, Faram Shamim. Thank you guys for joining me for another episode of today's podcast. As always, I appreciate the support and for you taking some time out of your day to listen to the podcast. For today's episode, I wanted to focus on something that is somewhat of a continuation of what I discussed previously about the mental health of students within Canada, or Canadian universities to be specific. And today, for today's topic, I wanted to focus on what do we define as success or failure? And more specifically, I wanted to really focus on what is what is society's idea of a success? And how do we really kind of, I guess, evaluate what we view success? And what are the sort of the positives and negatives of it? As well as what are our perspectives as Muslims in contradiction to some of these perceptions that much of society actually holds. And the reason this relates to sort of the previous episode is because of the fact that one of the reasons why some students feel so pressure or feel as much pressure as they do is because of the fact that there's a lot of pressure amongst the youth and students to become successful, or at least, again, like I said, to do or become as society perceives to be successful. And I think it's important to take a step back and really ask ourselves what we perceive as success, but also the impacts that it's having on our lives or our perception of the world. And then, as I mentioned, what does Islam teach us about this? And sort of how do we as Muslims maybe go against some of these ideas where there is good and bad amongst them? And what I really want to get out of this episode, more importantly than not, is for us to really reflect on how you know what we view the world has been impacted by what society or maybe you know the world at large views success and how it's important to maybe take a step back and sort of just reflect on it not necessarily to abandon everything that you consider a success but to maybe reflect on what we prioritize in the world and so to sort of begin this discussion i really wanted to get into you know, touching back on what we talked about in the last episode and about the kind of stress the students face. And within Canada, as a student myself, you know, entering high school and, you know, through university, there's really an emphasis and a focus on on making kids pick a career focus or employment future. So essentially, the what are you going to do with your life question. You know, when you're in university, it's something that's really asked a lot among students. And it's something that I think a lot of students are asked throughout their lives as well. It isn't necessarily, you know, a bad question because it it is meant to make you focus on, you know, what you're going to be in the future or what you perceive yourself to have a career in, you know, however you kind of look at that question. But I think the problem is, is that it doesn't really help anyone. It doesn't really help a student either, you know, like if I went back to when I was 15 years of age, you know, I didn't really know, you know, I didn't really know what I wanted to be. I mean, I, I kind of thought maybe a lawyer or whatnot, but, you know, that's not really what I ended up in. Um, but, you know, when you're 15 or when you're, you know, you're in high school and people are asking you, you know, what are you going to do with your life? It's kind of a, a weird question because, uh, again, like most people don't know, you know, when I was 15, I didn't even know what I was going to have for breakfast tomorrow. How am I supposed to know what I'm going to be in 10 years, right? Like it's kind of a silly question to ask in a way. And it's kind of this perception where we think that, you know, people who who have sort of a, uh, I guess, a 
a path where they're going to go to success through this one avenue or, you know, this perception that you have to basically follow this one career path. Like, like I mentioned in the previous episode, it's really emphasized a lot throughout the Canadian educational system. And essentially, it doesn't really help because, again, if I or many of you, as I'm sure, maybe didn't really know or didn't really have a full grasp of what you wanted to be in the future when you were 15, you know, how do we expect the youth and students now to have a full grasp of what they're going to be in 10 years, right? It's not an easy thing to ask. And again, it's not necessarily a bad question. And I know that sometimes it can come from a good place. But I think that the way that we kind of mold a student or, you know, kind of, I guess, push people or youth, again, specifically to maybe pursue a career, we shouldn't really focus on it as if, you know, there's just this one way or this one route of becoming successful. Success should not just be defined by your employment future is essentially what I'm saying. You can't just perceive employment as a person's one success. That really narrows down what a person's worth in their life really is. Because essentially you're saying, and I'll talk about this later in the episode, that a person's worth to society at large is inherently tied to what job they work. When in my experience, I don't know if that's necessarily true. I don't know if just because you work a high paying job makes you more worth to everyone else. And also, and again, I mentioned this in the last episode, the job market isn't one where you just sign up for one job and then that's your job for the rest of your life. It's really not that simple. Trust me, it's really not that simple. There's a lot of jobs out there that are looking for a variety of different skills. And when you kind of teach a student to only view jobs or even the market as one kind of singular thing where you're just going to go to one job and that's it, you really make them miss out on a lot of other opportunities and you really, you know, prevent them from being innovative or from being dynamic. Instead of learning multiple skills, they only learn one skill. And if there's one thing that I would go back and change about myself from when I was younger and through university was to really pick up as many skills as I can or as many things as I could because there's a lot of jobs out there that I could probably do but I can't necessarily do because I don't necessarily have the skills or these additional skills that are needed. You know, stuff like graphic design, for example, or being able to use software or coding, you know, those are a variety of things that can be helpful. And yet, you know, that's not necessarily things that everyone is taught, but they can be helpful when you're looking for jobs. And, you know, again, right, when you kind of perceive as only one career path, you really limit yourself in being able to actually, uh, you know, learn those kind of skills. And this is where I think there's sort of an intersection, and this is sort of an intersection for me personally as well, you know, as all of us, or I don't know if all of us that listen to this are Muslims, but, you know, as Muslims, uh, you know, when you're looking at your own beliefs and you're looking at sort of the entire world at large, there really is this intersection between what Islam teaches us and what the capitalist society really teaches us. And by the capitalist society, I, I mean most of the world, essentially. You know, most of the world focusing on, you know, uh, uh, let's say just the free market, on, you know, GDP numbers, on economic growth. That is a main focus across the world. And again, that's not necessarily bad. I understand why. I mean, it is important, of course, to have economic growth within a country. But there are some interesting things when you look at as a Muslim 
and especially in terms of the values that a capitalist or a free market society lives in. Because what I was talking about before about the way that students are perceived is, again, they're just trying to fit into what is the capitalist or the free market system. You know, from a young age, you're really taught that you have to fit into this society, that you have to sort of, you know, fall in line within the capitalist ideas of what a worker should be. And it is unfortunate because I think that really the primary idea between capitalism is that you define a person's, you know, wealth and their ability to produce as their value to society, right? So essentially your value is inherently linked to what you can produce for society. And of course, because it is capitalism, it is inherently focused on being productive through economic means. And, and yes, on one hand, being productive or being a productive member of society is important, but I think it's kind of interesting to think about what does this word productive even mean? You know, like what does this mean to be productive? Just because you're making money or you're making a lot of money, are you necessarily doing what's best for society? Like is, is that really what being productive means? Because I think if you look at it, productive does not mean to do what's best for the creation for society. It doesn't necessarily mean that you're helping society. It more or less means that you're fulfilling what is, you know, the capitalist obligation and that's making money. And, and I think that that's interesting because if you look at historically, for most of the world, especially for the human condition even, you know, for most of the world, humanity did not live in this sort of setting. You know, people did not go to school to pursue one career. A lot of the world for a lot of its time was just a bunch of people who did farmer, you know, farming work or who were tradesmen where they knew stuff like blacksmith or, you know, they took care of animals or, you know, they, they uh, use crafts to make pottery or, or whatever, right? Like these kind of things people worked on or had as their jobs. And really, it is only in sort of the modern era, it's from like the 1900s till now, where we sort of have this perception that as a human being, you have to go to school, you have to learn, you have to be sort of stuck in this rigid system that essentially controls your entire life right from from the very beginning you're thrown into school and for basically what i guess 20 something years uh who knows i mean i guess you could go longer than that but for about 20 something years you are in school you're learning you're ed- you're being educated and you have this sort of repetitive cycle where you go to school you have homework you come back you have to do the homework you have tests you have to you know you have to pass the tests and it's just one after another and that's just how we are i guess evaluated and sort of set into society and it really does change what you view as being productive or not, or being successful even, right? And and I mentioned this again in the last episode where I know a lot of talented individuals. I know them who have a lot of talent. They can do a lot of great things, but because they can't succeed at maybe, uh, you know, one course or they can't succeed in, in one test, whatever, you know, it could be, they are viewed as failures or they're not viewed as successful and that, again, is so sad because all these talents they have are just not valued because they can't do this one thing. And it really is sort of a weird way when you think about it and you kind of take a step back and you kind of look at, you know, what is society telling us 
that is successful or productive because that doesn't necessarily mean that it is actually true. And of course, as Muslims, I think it's easy to say that the idea of productivity, especially in the capitalist form, is really something that we kind of are the opposite of. And and, and I always believe this. I, I don't think that Islam is necessarily against capitalism. I don't think Islam is necessarily against making money. But I think that there's a lot of things that we perceive that I think, and I'm, I've always sort of believed this, that if these ideas were sort of ingrained into some aspects of the capitalist society, I really do think the world would benefit. You know, I think that the, the first thing about kind of evaluating someone's worth to society based on how productive or how much value they bring in terms of monetary gain, in terms of like the money that they can make is just so wrong, right? Like it's, it just doesn't make any sense, right? As Islam, as in Islam, we of course believe that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made us each differently, right? We're all sort of unique in, in our own ways. We all have, you know, a ruh, we all have a soul that is different than others. And, and I think that, you know, perceiving that all these different souls or these people should sort of all line up to be the same, you kind of understand where, yeah, you know, that doesn't make much sense. It doesn't, right? Like there's certain people that maybe aren't meant to go, you know, through all these years of university to end up in an office job where they just sit in front of a cubicle and they just work nonstop. Actually, no, they wouldn't work in a cubicle. Um, I think this is more recent in a lot of working trends, but uh, they've gotten rid of the cubicle because what happened was that it would lead to a lot of workers' suicides. And you can imagine why. Like imagine waking up every single day you work in a cubicle nine to five, you go home, and then you do the same thing every single day for basically the rest of your life. I can understand how that's not for everyone. And yes, there are some people that might be able to do the job, but they may not actually enjoy it. And this is where it goes back to what I was talking about, about how you perceive what someone's worth in society is. It's so ingrained into what job you do or how much money you make. When really, I mean, that's not necessarily as Muslims, it's something that I think we should believe in because I don't think we should. I don't think it's something that really makes any sense whatsoever. And, you know, another thing, and these are kind of four points as well uh, that I kind of thought of when I was reflecting on it myself. And you may have different kind of perceptions, but these are mine when I look at the intersection between sort of this idea of worth within a capitalist society and you know what Islam teaches us. And, and I think the first thing is that the focus on money and wealth is something that the Quran very much cautions us against. And it isn't, again, something that I think the Quran tells us is inherently bad, or at least the way that I've read the Quran. Of course, you're allowed to disagree with me on that. Um, you know, again, I'm not an ulama, I'm not an imam, so you can feel free to disagree with me. That's within your right. But the way I've read the Quran is that it doesn't really, you know, tell us to go against making money or wealth, but it very much cautions us against it. There's a lot of stories where it cautions us against those who become so, you know, uh, in love with their wealth, you know, those who became so ingrained with their wealth that they only care about money and that alone. And, you know, there, there's stories of tons of rich men uh, and rich women uh, who, uh, you know, think they're better than everyone because they're wealthy. And the Quran basically says, no, that, that's not true. Right, the the many of the prophets uh, obviously dealt with the wealthy and the rich 
uh, as the people who tried to stop them. And of course, the Quran very much makes it clear that that's not true. Just because someone is wealthy or rich does not make them better than anyone else. And yet in capitalist in capitalist societies, that's kind of the opposite, right? It's very much the opposite. You know, no one cares what a person who's making, you know, 60 or $70,000 thinks, but everyone cares what, you know, a guy like Elon Musk or, or Bill Gates has to say, even though, you know, what does Elon Musk or, or Bill, Get, Bill Gates have to do with your life? Really not that much, right? Not really. And yet everyone cares what they have to say. Everyone cares what, you know, a celebrity has to say about something, right? Like there's always these things that happen when there's like a political issue and some celebrity speaks out against it. Uh, and then everyone cares because, oh my God, the celebrity said something. It's kind of the same thing, right? We value these people's opinions because they make more money than us. And I think that's something to really think about. And then I think the second point here that I have is that the Quran really does caution us, and I think Islam in general, about being too invested into sort of worldly needs. And of course, as Muslims, we believe in the afterlife. We believe in Jannah and Jahannam, and we believe you know, that everyone will be, uh, you know, they will be judged. And I think that there's almost sort of a point as a, as a younger Muslim myself where I've sort of pushed myself away uh, on sort of a personal note from trying to be too invested in terms of, you know, how much money I make or how much, you know, I guess how much, you know, money I'm making in a week or whatever. And just realizing that there's aspects of caring where you're sort of going off, uh, not necessarily on the wrong path, but maybe you're sort of perceiving the wrong things. Right, Because if you think about it, like the Quran does say this as well, that a lot of this wealth may bring you joy right now, but in the afterlife, what's it going to bring you? Right, And I think to a degree as a Muslim, you sort of sit there and you think about that and you go, yeah, you know, like maybe sometimes worrying so much about money and wealth is not such a good idea because there are other things to worry about. You know, maybe if you go to X thing, you could make, you know, uh, an extra hundred dollars or whatever. But maybe if it gets in the way of your, you know, your prayer or, you know, your worship of Allah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then maybe it's not worth it. Because yes, maybe you make more money, but it's also getting in the way of your ticket to the afterlife, right? If I'm going to put it that bluntly, that is. But essentially, yeah, maybe that is something to think about. And I think that, you know, that's something that uh, as working in a capitalist society, that's something that people sort of don't want you to think about, right? They want you to be so invested into worldly means. You have to be invested in how much money you make. But as Muslims, that's not how we look at it, right? That at least, Again, that's the way that I perceive it, that that's not the way that we look at it. We look at it to say the worldly means are for the people who care about the world. What we're really working towards is the afterlife. And third, and this is one that's very personal to me as well, but you know, believing in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala really does mean putting your faith that he will help you find your way, not money or not wealth, right? Like there's this, I think everyone who's been through a trial that's really pushed them knows that this is true. You can put as much money as you want, but ultimately it is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that will lead you or will guide you. And I think that that's a value that as Muslims we need to hold on to. And I'm not, again, I'm not an Islamic scholar, so I'm not trying to give too much of an Islamic lecture here. But my reflection has really been on my own personal experience is that believing really does mean putting faith in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala more than anything else that you have. 
And then lastly, and I think that this is important as well, that zakat and charity are heavily emphasized in Islam, something that is not emphasized in capitalism. And I mean this sincerely, because there's there's very little that capitalism says in the way of being generous or charitable to others. And I really think a, a perfect example of the lack of sort of charity that capitalism enforces, or not enforces, sorry, that capitalism encourages, is really a, a lot of actions of many of these companies that give these sort of charitable donations, like Nike, for example. Nike does, you know, charitable donations. Um, you know, they recently unveiled this, like, I think it's like a hijab, a sports hijab or something like that. Um, and, and, you know, they're doing all these like charitable things, these good PR, you know, they're donating to good causes and everything. I'm sure they donate to tons of causes or whatnot. I'm sure if you went on their website, they'd list off all the things that they've donated to. And that's all great. But recently, and this is something uh, I think as Muslims that's very important to us as well, it's been found that some of these clothing lines like Nike or Adidas, I don't know if it's exactly Nike or Adidas, but they essentially use forced labor from China that is basically the clothes and whatnot are being made by, I think it's Uyghurs or other you know forced workers to make these clothes, right? So like on one hand... They're donating to charity. They're doing all this great stuff. They're helping the community. And on the other hand, they're enforcing slave labor. That's quite hypocritical. And that doesn't mean anything at all because really, uh, you know, what's the point of your charity if you're going to help enforce slave labor? How are you charitable? How are you doing a good thing? You're not doing a good thing because what they're really doing is they're donating not for the sake of donating – they're donating because of the fact that they want to look good so that people buy their product. And that's just sad, really. But that's the truth, right? That's how capitalism looks at it. They don't look at charity as a good moment to sort of, uh, you know, donate to help others. It's just this idea of, well, you know, uh, we're just going to uh, donate so that we look good and then people buy our goods because that's what it is. It's a marketing stunt. And that's unfortunate, right? And when we start to perceive our ideas of charity as this as well, we really abandon what Islam teaches us, right? There's the old uh, hadith that I'm sure many of you have heard that you're supposed to donate so much that you're, okay, I might misquote it, so I apologize if I do, but it's supposed to be that you donate so much that your right hand doesn't know what your left hand is giving, right? So you're essentially giving so much in charity or you're donating or helping others so much that your kind of hands don't know what you're doing because you give so much. And that's something that I think is important, that when you give charity, you are genuinely giving it, right? And when we look at what we perceive as success or failures, right, people think that, oh, look at these people, they're donating so much money, they're putting out all these things, but they're really not. What they're doing is they're just doing it so they can look good. We should stop letting ourselves get influenced by these people who are just basically using their money and wealth to look good. Because that's not real charity. That's just egoism, right? That's just being egotistic. That's just doing it for your own good and not for anyone else's. But that's not really what I think as Muslims that we should do. We, we really shouldn't. That's not how we view uh, you know, Islamic ideas or just values within a society either. And, and again, you know, I, I'm obviously not – I don't want to get too much into – uh, you know, an Islamic lecture here, but I've always thought that one thing that really resonated with me as a Muslim 
was that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us in so many verses that the most successful of people will be those who, you know, did charitable deeds or just good things, uh, you know, across the world. Because again, that's the focus where, you know, you're looking to the afterlife, not this world. And I think that when we're looking at successes and failures, especially again, for Muslim youth who are so caught up in trying to, you know, make money or getting caught up in an educational system that enforces capitalist values or these ideas of making as much money as possible, you really realize as a Muslim that, you know, some of those things aren't going to lead to real success to me. And you shouldn't get so, I guess, linked to these ideas, again, of success or failure, because really, at the end of the day, you know, our focus is beyond that. And, you know, I think that even beyond that, like beyond just like a Muslim approach, just constantly focused on just material things and material goods, like that's such a narrow way of looking at the world. There's a lot of things in the world that are great and they don't all have to do with how much money you have or, you know, the material perspectives uh, of looking at the world. And, you know, there's a lot of, uh, you know, even just personal hobbies you could do uh, that maybe don't make any money for you, but you know, they're fun to do. Like, for example, doing a podcast like I'm doing right now. Like, I'll admit I'm not, you know, making money off of this. I'm really just doing this because, I mean, I guess I have time and I want to talk about this stuff. You know, like, this is just something that I do for fun. And there's a lot of things that I think that, you know, you can call successful, but they don't necessarily make money for you, but that doesn't make them useless. And, you know, that's a part of why this whole... Uh, capitalist ideas of, you know, what you perceive to be uh, successful or not, or just sort of the, the, you know, the material value uh, of something and the material ideas of what success is, is just, just wrong, in, in my opinion. You know, beyond just this, there are other aspects and things to look at. And there's a lot of angles you can look at this, but two of the ones that I think are quite pertinent and quite uh, you know, common in today's day and age are the first, which is hustle culture, and the second, which is, of course, social media. And these two themes or things, I guess you want to call them, however you want to phrase it, are really important because they definitely impact and sort of shape the way that people view, you know, what success or failure is. And, you know, I'm just going to go through them quickly and I'm not going to go into too much detail because, uh, you know, it it is, uh, of course, something that I can't just cover uh, in a few minutes. But regardless, what I think that I want you guys to at least pick up on is that, you know, just beyond just a a Muslim view, just the lifestyle that sort of this capitalist structure or the overly commitment to the capitalist structure kind of enforces on people, it just doesn't seem healthy at all. And, And the first thing that is is hustle culture. And hustle culture is something that's really become a lot more common in sort of my generation and, you know, some of the younger generation in the youth and sort of millenn- millennials and whatnot. Um, and hustle culture is essentially a, a culture uh, is that is focused on work, becoming basically this nonstop thing that is used to achieve your dreams. 
And the only way to do so is to essentially force yourself to become this robot who just works and works and works and works. And so you just commit all your time to doing nothing but work. It basically idolizes your work, whatever that work is, it idolizes it as basically the most important thing in the world and what essentially defines you. So your work, like I mentioned before about the problem of that, is what defines you. And so your characteristics, your, you know, your attitudes, your opinions, your beliefs aren't really that important. What's important is your work and what work you do and what you accomplish through that work. That is what defines you. And so if you don't work hard or if you don't work nonstop, then you're not a good worker or you're not doing a good job of achieving your dreams because hustle culture assumes that the only way you can truly become this great person who uh, achieves their dreams is basically by working nonstop, right? And you just have to work nonstop till you get to whatever that dream is that you are uh, working towards. And it's really prevalent in many different jobs, especially uh, in sort of more, uh, you know, modern jobs that are being kind of produced. But specifically, it was rooted in the tech and business industries. And so a lot of big businesses and tech industries really focus on it. And and there's a lot to really go into hustle culture as well. And honestly, like in the future, I probably will make an episode on hustle culture because it is definitely something very interesting to sort of examine, uh, especially from sort of a Muslim perspective. But it has really become something that's a lot more common across many different businesses. And, and even in like academia, in you know the universities, it is very common. There's this common saying uh, in academia that's called publish or perish. And it's usually directed at a lot of you know PhD students or professors because they either have to publish articles and publish research, research sorry, and publish you know new information or they perish because they will lose their jobs. And so they have to consistently and constantly do this because there's just this push where you have to constantly, you know, uh, have new findings in, you know, a scientific study or, you know, if you're a political science professor to have new insights and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and if you don't accomplish this, then of course you fail. And you know, in many tech industries, a lot of startups have this sort of hustle culture where people will literally just put their entire work as their own, you know, as their whole world. People will, you know, only wake up to work. They won't take days off. They'll just work nonstop. Uh, anytime they interact with others, it'll be for like a work event. They don't interact with people outside of work. All they do is just work, work, work. And as you can imagine, this has received a lot of backlash lately, especially because a lot of times hustle culture, you know, the question is, what are you working towards? You know, like, let's just say you achieve your dreams or whatever. Are you just going to stop? Probably not because your hustle culture ideas say you need to continue to work, right? Because your whole identity is based on working. And really, like, this is not a healthy way of living. Right. Like, seriously, like, I, I don't think that's that crazy to say. Uh, but for some people out there, like they do view this as a normal thing to do. And and I'll just say and and again, this links back to what I was saying before about, you know, linking our whole worth to sort of materialistic ideas like this is basically it. Like, why would you think 
that just working nonstop or, or even your career is the only thing that defines you. Like that's something so weird to me. You know, like for me personally, like my career sure defines me, but hey, like I have a podcast, I have hobbies, I do other things like that defines me as well. And, and I know a lot of people who have a job, but the job is just to pay the bills. You know, who they really are is beyond that. And it's so weird to think that people basically view their success or failures in their whole perception of who they are based on how hard they can basically dedicate themselves to accomplishing their dreams. And listen, I'm not trying to discourage people from accomplishing the, your dreams. If you have dreams, please, by all means, go accomplish them. There's nothing wrong with that. Of course not. But if your dreams require you to basically idolize your work beyond anything and to basically push away everything else in your life, I'm sorry, but that just does not sound like a healthy life. And we shouldn't let these ideas of hustle culture, these ideas of just you know being a, a worker and nothing else, really impact who we are, especially as Muslims, right? Like we know beyond that. We know more than that. And I just think it's so weird to have a Muslim perspective on this stuff because it just seems just so just so wrong. And then on the other hand, and you know this is one that I think is quite common in its problems in today's society, but social media. Um, social media is by all means a very good tool and something that is also very bad. And I think one of the main reasons is because social media, as much as it connects us, it also maybe connects us too much. And, you know, there's been a lot of studies that have looked into this and they've looked into the negative impacts that social media brings. And and one of them is that it often morphs people's ideas or perceptions of, you know, not only who they are, but what it means to be, uh, you know, either a person like a good person or what it means to be successful uh, in the world. And if any of you have like an Instagram account or Facebook or even LinkedIn You'll see this often where people will post their their highest successes, you know, and, and I don't think that's terrible. I mean, you know, people should post the successes that they've had in their lives. Um, there's nothing wrong with that. But you'll often see where people post their, their successes basically as a way to sort of brag about what they've accomplished. And they sort of post it so that everyone can know, you know, how much money I make and, you know, how much, uh, you know, wealth I've accumulated because that's really been the focus uh, for some people on social media. And what a lot of studies have shown, especially studies linked to mental health illnesses, is that some people have had mental health struggles or you know mental health issues because their perceptions of just the world and what success is or self-worth is has been heavily impacted by their own social media footprint as well as their perception of others. Many studies have shown continuously that social media has been linked to things like anxiety, depression, stress, and even physical anxiety, you know, sort of, uh, you know, physical issues where people start to feel physical pain because of their mental health struggles. And, and the main kind of culprit or one of the main culprits is because of this thing called the fear of missing out. And so it's this essential, uh, you know, kind of, I guess, idea that people will feel that they are missing out on an opportunity 
or they feel when they see someone else's success in maybe a similar field of theirs, they feel that they've missed out on that opportunity, uh, and etc., etc., etc. Essentially, you are constantly comparing yourself to others. And that is one of the main problems with many of these social media companies and social media apps is that you get into this tunnel where all you do is basically look to see how much success others are having and then you look at yourself and say well I'm not doing that so therefore I must be a failure and I really don't think that that's true mainly because well you know what's good for someone else is good for them and what's good for you is good for you you know there's a lot of ideas I think even just as a Muslim where you're thinking about fate or whatnot you know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made it so that people will accomplish what they will accomplish, you know, based on what's best for them, right? Like, like I mentioned before, that's part of the fate. But if you're so caught up in social media, like it almost makes you feel, and, and even I've had this effect sometimes, where you feel as if like I'm not successful because this other person is doing this and I'm not, so therefore I'm bad. And it's so easy to get into that sort of a mood or an idea because of the fact that you know, you're constantly bombarded with on social media, all these things about the successes of others. And it doesn't necessarily even have to be people you're, you know, friends with, it could just be anyone, right? Like social media will bombard you with all these pictures of all these other people's successes. And you just sort of, you know, you don't realize it, but it really does impact you. And in general, you know, comparing both social media and hustle culture, you know, both aspects have an increasingly negative impact on just the way that we view what you know success and failure is and it has many negative impacts on people's perceptions of themselves and social media particularly really makes people start to look at themselves too negatively where we think that because we can't do this one thing we must be a failure or you know we think that because we can't necessarily achieve something that we must be a failure and i just think again like that's such a sad uh, i think outcome for a lot of people because there are a lot of people that are in my opinion quite successful and they're quite good at what they do but because maybe they haven't hit you know x y and z in terms of a salary or x y and z in terms of you know accomplishments uh, they think of themselves as failures or not good enough and i again you know emphasize that we really should push away from that and we should take a step back and really evaluate what that means because ultimately as Muslims, and I think more particularly as human beings, we are not just defined by what we work. You know, everyone, you, whoever's listening to this, anyone, you're more than that. And you have, you know, feelings and ideas and thoughts and expressions. And I think personally, uh, just on my own personal experience, that those things are just as valuable as anything else. Maybe you don't get money for them. Maybe you don't get paid for them. But you shouldn't devalue that. They also make up who you are. And as a person, you should, I think, and, you know, I've also had to take time to sort of gain this. But we should have the self-confidence to say that I'm more than just my work or, you know, I'm more than just what I make in terms of salary. I'm a human being and there's more layers to me. Now, to conclude today's episode on what we perceive as successes and failures, I hope that the discussion was at least interesting and that it really did bring out some ideas, you know, of your own maybe about 
how maybe you've been influenced by these ideas of what success or failure are. And of course, my own discussion was what my own ideas were and how I've been impacted by it. So, you know, I hope that at least you were able to gain something out of this out of this discussion as well. You know, because this thing, we might not realize it, but subconsciously or even just sort of in our actions, what we you know, what we kind of push towards our our ideas uh, really does need to be reconsidered, not just because we're Muslim, but also just because not all of these ideas are that healthy. This constant focus on monetary gain or constant ideology, uh, sorry, ideology that is only focused on monetary gain, it isn't healthy, in my opinion. And I think a few of you might agree with me, it's not healthy, and it's not necessarily the best, and there should be alternatives to it. Um, but regardless, I hope you guys did enjoy uh, today's episode. Um, if you guys did enjoy it, please remember to leave a five-star review at the bottom of whatever podcast host you're listening to this from. It'll be either on the episode that you're listening to or it'll be on the main page on the podcast host uh, where you can see all the other episodes for this podcast listed. So please do leave a five-star review. It helps me make more episodes and it encourages others to listen as well. In addition, if you guys can also check me out on Instagram, it's Muslims in Your Backyard. I post a variety of different things on my Instagram account, uh, as well as other posts related to uh, other issues uh, as well. So please do give it a, a check out or Go check it out if you can. Uh, sorry, I got my words mixed up there. Uh, and as well as always, uh, thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, I always appreciate the support and for you taking some time out of your day to listen to the podcast. And with that being said, Alafis and inshallah, we'll meet again.